Today's Old Testament reading is Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 33 to 34. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbour or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's New Testament reading is 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 to 14. Dear friends, I am not writing to you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going, because the darkness has blinded them. I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. Today, I want to welcome each one of you who are here as well to welcome each one of you who are viewing us on Zoom. We appreciate your making the effort to come and to be a part of this church family. And uh, it's a vital time to come together, to be able to pray together, to be able to fellowship with God together, and uh, be a part of a body that God has created through his son Jesus Christ and us understanding and being forgiven and entering into the kingdom of God. Um, Today I want us to continue on in our study of the book of 1 John. And we're into chapter 2. You remember last week as we were talking at the beginning of chapter 2 where John writes that I would that you not sin, but if you sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, uh, the righteous one. The, he is our propitiation. You see, John writes in this manner that he is outlining for us some of the things that we will certainly face as we walk with God and we follow him. It is, uh, as he reveals to us, he says in chapter 1, this great message that came from Jesus. And the message is, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And as we go through, we find then, how do we live? 
How do we function? How do we follow God who is light? And he's going to outline through the book, you see, the light of God as it comes into our hearts and life. First and foremost, God is light. Then God is revealing himself. He shows us more about himself. He reveals who he is and how he works in the hearts and lives of his people. But the light of God also has a second function, which he talked about in chapter 1. He says it is the, not only it reveals God, and he talked about the one who had come from the beginning, the one who had manifested the very presence of God, the one who was eternal life, and now has come. It not only reveals God, but it also then um, exposes darkness. At one time, as a hobby... As a younger person, I raised rabbits. And I would found that someone I read said the basic thing about any animal is feed it at a regular time. The only time I had that was regular every day was about 10 to 10.30 in the evening. And so I'd walk into this place where the rabbits were, and at that time at night one had to flip the light switch And as I flipped the light switch, there were all of these little scurryings of other animals. Some of those had to be recycled. But you see what happened when I switched on the light, it not only gave me opportunity to see, it exposed everything that was there. And when the light of God is in us, it not only reveals God, but it also exposes anything of darkness. Because John has said, you cannot say, I walk in the light and live in darkness. The two will not exist together. Light moves darkness out. Darkness causes light to not function. And so as John goes through this, he's talking to us and he's saying how this light functions. And he talks in chapter 1 about we must walk in the light. Where we walk is very important. As we walk with God and God begins to speak and work in our life. But also in this, in in chapter 2, and at the end of, he began by saying, I would not that you sin, would not that you sin not, but that uh, therefore I'm writing to you. But if you do sin, we have this advocate with the Father. But what he does now is he gives us things that are like a test, something you can check, or it is like a proof. It's not necessarily a negative testing, but it is a proof that God is in us. Or it's a test to show us where we're walking spiritually. Last week we talked about that. He said the first thing is we will obey or we will keep his commandments. Remember how he said? If we say we are walking in the light, but we do not keep his commandments or obey his commandments, 
He says the reality is the truth is not in us. He says we are rather walking in darkness. And then, of course, at the end that we read last week, he then moves from examining ourselves or that test or that proof, because he says those who are walking in the light, this is what happens. Those who are walking in darkness and cannot obey or choose not to obey, this shows what is in their lives. But then he goes on, and then he, remember he moved then to giving us truths about Jesus. Jesus is our advocate. He's the one who represents us to the Father. Jesus is the righteous one who took our guilt and replaces it with his righteousness. And then Jesus is the propitiation or the sacrifice for our sins. The question which is ultimately asked in those verses is this. It's not the question, do we believe that God loves us? There the question is, do we believe God the Father loves God the Son? And I believe every one of us here would say, yes, I believe that God the Father loves God the Son. And John says, well, the natural conclusion then is, if God the Father loves God the Son, and you come to God the Father through God the Son, He loves you. And He is prepared to forgive and to cleanse and to work in our lives. Now, as we go into chapter 2 further, let's just read these verses because there is not only the idea of God loving the Son, but eventually it's going to come to this question, do I believe God really loves me? And he, let's just read those verses. He says in verse 7, Beloved, I'm writing these new commandments to you, but not a new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you've heard. Let's just stop there with verse 7. It's a little bit interesting as he writes. We know that one of the styles that John uses is repeating things so that we get the idea and it brings into focus that which he is emphasizing. We're going to find in these verses that one of the phrases he uses again and again is he says, I am writing to you or I have written to you and he repeats that again and again and then quickly follows that with one word which is the word because and because is like a spotlight coming directly from heaven and what it does it brings our focus directly upon that which John is wanting us to understand. But first in this, excuse me, in verse 7 and in verse 8, he talks about I'm writing to you something that is not a new commandment. But when we get into verse 8, he's going to say, but by the way, it is a new commandment. So which one does he mean? Well, the reason he calls it an old commandment, let me read to you where we first find this that he's going to talk to us about. And that is in Leviticus chapter 19 and there beginning with verse 17. You see, he's going to talk to us about the important test or proof of Christians and that we have God in us and we are following God is that we love the brothers or sisters. This is what he's writing about. And so he says here, he quotes, the old commandment that you have heard is you shall not hate your brother 
in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Very strong. He's saying part of love is we do not hold a grudge. We do not hate from our heart. But, he says, we don't just simply sweep it all under the rug. You speak frankly with your neighbor, but then do not hold it, but release it. We do not take vengeance or bear a grudge. And I am the Lord. Well, then, of course, we know the other commandment. It says, Hear, O Israel, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, O the Lord our God, he is Lord to, is, he, our Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on or in your heart. So John is written saying, look, I am writing to you an old commandment, but it's also a new commandment. The old commandment was this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And that comes, as I just read, out of Leviticus. And then Jesus, in Matthew chapter 22, as the Pharisees come to him and they say, tell us, Lord, what is the great commandment? Do you remember what he says? Jesus combines these two readings. He says, you shall, the great commandment is, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your mind, with all your strength. And then he goes on, he says, and the second is like it, and he quotes from Leviticus, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so Jesus puts these together, and Paul, and as John is writing, he says, look, this is not something that I am saying to you or writing to you that is new. This is God Almighty has spoken and said, this is the way that we live as followers of God. And then he goes on in verse 8 and he says, but actually, he says, what I am writing to you is a new commandment at the same time. And he says, it's true in him and it's true in you. And listen to what Jesus says as he preaches about this in John chapter 13. It says here, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you and also you are able to to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. And so I think what John has done is he's written and God's Spirit has inspired him. He's brought the people to understand this is something that is very important to God and that God has established from the very beginnings of giving His commandments to people is that we are to love those who are of the family of God And then he repeats it. Jesus says, ultimately, the sign and the the symbol or the actions which will prove to everyone looking in is that we love the brethren or we love the brothers and sisters or those who are in the family of God. And so we look at that and think, wow. Now, verse 8 then, as you read that verse, look what it says. I am writing this to you, which is true in him, And I thought, yeah, that's true. That's what Jesus did. Wow, yeah, that's great. But then look what John writes. And in you. In other words, what he's saying is, 
this is part of who God is. And as God enters our lives, as he forgives and he cleanses, and then he enters in and his spirit and his presence live in us, and we share the eternal life of God, not just an endless time period, but God is in us, and we go from that moment when we have repented and God is forgiven, and he's claimed us as his children, and we have the life of God in us. Remember, that's what Jesus said when he said, I am the light of the world. In John chapter 8, verse 12, he says, I am the light of the world. And then listen, and he says, and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. His very presence. Lighting up and revealing God, but also exposing darkness. That we could have God and allow God to deal with it. But he says, not only is that true in Jesus, but it's also true in us. Now, I find that part of the verse personally challenging and mind-blowing. I have never found it easy to love certain types of people. Now, I know all of you just said, no, Pastor Dennis, you're so nice. I'll bet you just love everybody. No, I'm not. As a matter of fact, in our mission team, when we were in Austria, I remember there was a certain type of person who we attracted in our mission team, many of them. And I remember I struggled with them. You see, when I was young, I avoided confrontation in any way possible. And then in my spiritual life, God just led me to the point of not that I like confrontation, but I realized that if one can go through reconciliation and confrontation, uh, some of my very best lifelong friends are those who we didn't agree at the start. And then God led us through a time and we did agree. And they are people whom if I don't see for three years, we start the conversation where we left off three years ago. But because of what God did in us. And I remember at this time in our mission team, there were many people of this. I remember I was walking out in the back and I was praising God and this was very selfish of me because a certain person who I had struggled working with, they left. They, they, God led them somewhere else, place else. And, and then I said, well, we have these open places in the team. And then others came. And I, why I was out, then I rejoiced. But then I was literally complaining to God. And I remember I said, oh, God, he's just the same as Fritz. <laughs> I hadn't learned any lesson. There are a few times in my life, folks, when God has spoken to me so explicitly clear. It was not an audible voice. I've never been there. But it was so clear in my heart and mind, it could have been as if Jesus was across the table looking me in the eyes and speaking. And you know what he said? He said, Dennis... You need to learn how to work with them because I have many of that type in my kingdom. John is saying, as we read the rest of verse 8, this is true in you. And then he goes on and says, and he who would walk in the light, there are absolutely no stumbling blocks left. And what I found at that moment is God dealt with me. I had to change. And what he did in dealing with me, you see, he took away 
all of the excuses that I could give. When I was in Austria, I learned a little phrase, and in English it says, all excuses are valid, none are acceptable. You see, I could say, but he said this, she did that. And it gave me a reason why I could say, look, that's a valid way I should be, but no, 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 before Jesus, they are unacceptable. Because he has forgiven me. And it's the very heart and character and person of God. And he lives and works inside of us. And so he goes on in these, and just look what he says about that. He says that if we have heard that is the new commandment that I write to you in the darkness, and he gives a reason, he says, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. In other words, he says this is true and we must acknowledge that because Jesus has come. Jesus has died on the cross. Jesus has risen from the grave. We have believed him and we have accepted forgiveness and cleansing and God in us. And because of that, he says, we love. And I want to tell you, it is not natural for we as humans to love others more than we love ourselves. I mean, I remember when our first daughter was born. And I don't know how it went with you if you've been a parent. But I, I remember I thought, thinking I was taking my wife. and I, At that time in Austria, you had to go to the hospital and the wife stayed there for the one giving birth, stayed there for about a week. It's very different than today. And I remember dropping her off and then finally after the birth I could come and I came to see her and the daughter. And I remember I was thinking, how am I going to love this one? And they brought the little baby in and my wife was just holding her so tenderly. And, you know, as a man I looked and it was, she was red and wrinkly and had this beautiful little nose. But, and then my wife says, isn't she so beautiful? The grace of God, I answered the right way. I said, yes, she is. But by the end of that time together, there was a love inside of me for that little red, wrinkly person that had not previously existed because of God. And that is the way he has created us. And yet what he's saying is he makes a new creation. Behold, if any person is in Christ, we are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And part of that new coming is the very working of God within us. To help us live and act and be like Christ. We're not perfect, but to move in that direction. And then he goes on as he writes there and he talks about this idea. And look in verse 11. I want you to get that. If you don't have your scriptures with you, you could look at the bulletin, but also look again and read it when you come home this, this afternoon. It says, The darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. And, but look what it says and as we go into that. Verse 11. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness... First, that's the test. That's the proof. And walks in the darkness. Not only 
are they there? But they are choosing to remain there. And then to me, the very concerning aspect, he says, and does not know where he is going. And look, there's the because. Because the darkness has blinded him. In other words, what John is revealing to us is darkness also has a strategy. And that darkness is not only to get us to be in the darkness, it is to keep us in the darkness and eventually to actually blind the very sight that God has given us and the light that God is enabling us to see by that we would not even maybe realize that we are blind. But we think, I'm doing fine because I'm not as bad as that person in history. But Jesus is coming and saying this to us. Now, if you look at that and say, well, how in the world can we go with that? If I look at all these things, it doesn't rate me so well some days. But then John does not leave us there because in verses 12, 13, and 14, he gives us the truth of God to encourage us. And to help us understand that loving one another is possible. It is a working way because God being in us. And look what he says. He uses there, again, this repeating way of emphasizing things. I am writing to you. I am writing to you. And it seems as if, almost all commentators would say, it seems as if he has divided the spiritual family of God into three groupings. One, he's going to say children or those who are early in their walk with God. Two are young men or those who are in their maturing and strength time with God. And then he talks about to those who are fathers, those who have been knowing and walking and following God for a significant amount of time. How does he do this? Well, let's just look at that. What he says to them, children, I'm writing to you because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. And if you move with me from verse 12 down into verse 13, at the end of that verse, he repeats again. He says, I write to you, children, because you know the Father. The two great truths he is going to help all of us with as far as being able to love and to walk in the light of God as he reveals God and as he exposes what is darkness, is he says, because... Because for the name of Jesus, we have been forgiven. It's not the question. Will God forgive me because I I repent in the right way? No, no, no. It is does the Father love the Son. And because He loves the Son, we know He loves us and accepts us. And He says, because we have been forgiven... Remember how Jesus told the parable? There was a man who owed a huge debt. I suppose in today's world, millions. And he was put into a debtor's prison until finally the person to whom he owed the debt forgave him the debt and he was released. And then when the man went out, he found somebody who owed him about 10 francs. And it says he grabbed the man and held on to him and shook him and threatened to put him into prison. And then the Lord asked, well, what's going to happen when the person who forgave him so much finds out what he did with the one 
who he wouldn't forgive 10 francs for. And then, of course, the Lord makes the application. He who is forgiven much forgives much. And so what he's saying to even though we may be early in our walk with God is the fact that we know we've been forgiven and because we've been forgiven then we also forgive and we also love others because that's part of loving one another is working through that bit of forgiving one another. Not holding it, even as the Old Testament said, not holding it against someone but releasing it. And then he goes on says not only that but because we know the Father. And because God has called us into His family, and as we are in God and God in us, then, of course, we, God is showing Himself. He's revealing Himself. But He's also, whatever He exposes, He's expecting us. This is His promise in chapter 1. If we uh, confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And through the blood of Christ, we are cleansed. But then He not only stops there, And he goes on, you see, the first lesson about loving one another is if we are forgiven, then we need to love. Second lesson is young men, he says there in verses 13 and 14, he says, young men, I'm writing to you because you have overcome the evil one. And then he says again in the end of verse 14, I'm writing to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the evil one. Both things he repeats. In both verses he repeats this idea that they have overcome the evil one. Of course we overcome the evil one first and foremost by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when we believe that, you see evil is stopped. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that is stopped. But then there's also within the lives of individuals not only the guilt of sin but sometimes there is this power of sin where he describes it he says they're in darkness they continue to walk in darkness as a matter of fact they don't even know where they're going because evil or has darkness has blinded them and he goes on with these young men and he says not only is that evil has been overcome in the death and resurrection of Jesus and the very guilt is gone but then he said and darkness is passing away because the light of God is come and as the light of God comes in our life we must understand as followers of Jesus darkness needs to pass away we're not going to be perfect until we're in heaven but we need to be able to look at our life and say I'm different than I was 24 months ago I am different than I was 18 months ago because God has been working and God is doing this and God is at work. Well, he goes on and not only he says that, but then he says, because the word of God is abiding in you, you are our strength. Whether that could be interpreted as Jesus, the word of God, the one come in the flesh is living in us and therefore we get strength from him or very simply the word of God and we read and the Bible nourishes our soul. And feeds us and we grow stronger in God. And therefore we go forward and we see that the light of God grows in our life. And darkness then must flee. Remember, light and darkness cannot coexist. And John points that out to us again and again. And then finally he says to fathers, to old geezers like myself. 
He says very simply to them, actually, he repeats the same thing twice. You have known him from the beginning. What's he mean by that? Sure, he means that from the very beginning. Who is from the beginning? God. And what has happened is they have known more about God the Father. They have learned more about God the Son. They have learned more about God the Holy Spirit as they walk with God, as they grow with God. Their understanding of God, their concept of God grows. I want to ask you, family of church family of IPC, how big is your God? Do you have a concept of God that where God is a Bible-sized God? Our concept of God, it means what we're going to expect from God, what we believe about God, how we have experienced God. And that will grow and deepen and become more as it goes into every part of our hearts and lives. And he said, fathers, because you have known him, such a God, who is from the beginning, and from the very beginning, finally we realize He has called me, He has loved me, He's pursued me before I even understood, and then He has saved me, and He has worked in my heart and life, and He lives in me, and He will take me to be with Him in eternity. And He says, because that God is true, you see, the very essence and person of God means that we love one another just like He loved us. So John gives us the second test or proof. And it helps us understand where we are standing in the light as well as it assures us that God is working in us. And the big question as I started earlier, the first one as you keep his commandments was do we believe that God the Father loves God the Son? The second question for us today, do we believe that God the Father Loves you and me. Remember Peter after he had denied Jesus and then the crucifixion, resurrection. And there was that moment when he kind of gave up on everything and said, I'm going to go back and go fishing. And others went with him and you remember the account in John chapter 21. As it talks about, uh, they were fishing, fish all night, caught no fish. And then all of a sudden they saw a person on the shore and the person on the shore said, Hey, friends, catch any fish? No. Put your net on the right side of the boat. I think you'll catch some. They threw the net in and it was filled with big fish. And at that moment there came this moment of light that is revelation and John turned to Peter and said, Peter, it's the Lord. And the revelation and light moved to Peter and Peter Jumped, put on his jacket and jumped in the water and swam to the shore. Anyway, they had a tremendous breakfast of bread and fish. And then comes this amazing time where he had denied Jesus three times. And Peter, as Jesus looks him in the eye, the only question he asks is, do you love me? You see, Sometimes I think we look at others and we think, I don't know how I'm going to love him or her. That's not the question. The question is, from Jesus, do you love me? You see, if we say yes to that, then we can be assured of the very power 
and presence of God to help us love one another. And as we love one another in that manner, we then become much more aware of the very love of God. Yes, it's sweet, it's tender, but it's incredibly strong because it changes us from the inside out. So John's second challenge is to love one another. It's incredibly important because next week he's going to say you have to get this right. Love the commandments. Keep them. Love the brothers. Because next week he's going to tell us and do not love the world. Because you can't do that and do this. So let us learn together. Father, we thank you for this time together. Thank you for the opportunity to read in your Bible. And I want to pray and ask in the name of Jesus that you bless each person who is here. May you guide their lives. May you direct them this week. And may they be aware of who you are and what you're doing. And then, Lord, when it comes down to these very practical things of obeying your commandments, of loving the brothers and sisters. Lord, sometimes we're better at saying than we are at doing. But we know that both are important to you. But Lord, in doing either one of those, we need your strength, your power, your ability, your grace, your mercy. And sometimes, Lord, just you coming and speaking and working in us that we see your work being expressed through our whole church and our family and our lives. So God, we bow before you. And just like John reminded us that you have already worked in our lives, you have forgiven us our sins. You are our Father. You are not ashamed to identify us as your children. You, Lord, have defeated evil on the cross And you also give us strength where we can say no to darkness and yes to you. And then ultimately, Lord, day after day, month after month, year after year, you have taught us that the very essence and person and presence of God is to love. So we ask you to work in our hearts and lives and lead us. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.